Welcome to Practice Purchased Season 3, Episode 5. We are talking entity selection this episode. Ashley, welcome back. Thank you for having me. All right, so we talked about the three things that every lawyer does for a dentist in a dental transition uh, for buyers specifically, the three things being entity selection, the asset purchase agreement, and then real estate stuff, the lease and and or buying the building. Um, the entity selection is what we're talking about today. Can we just start by defining what, you know, g- give me a, give me an overview of where we're going with this episode. Okay. So what we're going to be talking about today is essentially your company, the company that you're going to be practicing under some dentists don't even have one and they operate as a sole proprietorship, but an entity is your company that will also hopefully protect your personal assets and keep your personal life separate from your business. Okay, perfect. All right. And there are different options to separate your business assets from your personal assets, your business liability from your personal liability. That's super helpful. Uh, But what I hear you saying is, if you didn't select an entity, you're kind of by default choosing another option, right? And I think you called that a sole proprietor. Exactly. Yes. If you do not create a specific entity, you're operating as a sole proprietor and you don't get any kind of protection at all. Okay, perfect. Now, I think looking at the notes, I think that's where we're going to end the episode is we're going to talk about, all right, what happens if you don't protect yourself? But let's just run through the options. So I know I need an entity. Give me my give me my options. Okay, so there are a number of types of entities. I'll just go over the most common for dental practices. So you see a PC, a lot of times a professional corporation, an LLC or PLLC, which is a limited liability company. There is also something called a PA or professional association. And then there are partnership entities. So you might see LP, uh, GP, LLP, And then finally, some people might hear a term um, DBA, which is a doing business as or fictitious name or trade name. Now, that is not an entity, but it does come into play with dental practices. So we can talk about that a little bit. So those those are your main Uh, entities. Okay, so let's let's run through those in the order you presented them. PC, LLC or PLC, PA, partnership stuff. And then what the heck is a DBA? What does it have to do with all this stuff? So PC, professional corporation, who, what is it and who's going to want one? Okay. So a PC was, it used to be the most common entity for dentists before the limited liability company was created, which a limited liability company is a fairly newer entity. And, but before, before the LLC was created, a lot of dentists would set their practice up as a professional corporation, which means they have to follow all of the corporate regulations for their particular state. It is not quite as common anymore now that you have the option to do an LLC. So, um, you know, a lot of people still might be operating under a PC, but many new dentists that are, you know, buying practices now will set their entity up as an LLC or a PLLC. Okay, got it. So buyers might see sellers with a PC and they might wonder, well, maybe I need a PC too. You're saying probably not. And the reason, and you alluded to this, let's get into the weeds just a teeny bit here. 
one of the reasons why you're not going to see many buyers these days choosing PC as an option is the requirement for some of what I'm going to call the paperwork. Can you talk just a little bit about some of those requirements and why uh, the LLC, well, we can get into the LLC and how that compares, but what are the requirements for a PC around paperwork? So corporations have very strict requirements. And so you have to have certain paperwork that you have to file, including pretty extensive bylaws, which is essentially your agreement with yourself, but they have to have certain provisions in them that you don't have to have with an LLC. The other thing is you have to follow um, certain administrative um, requirements, such as you have to have an annual meeting. So if you're the only shareholder in your PC, you have to have an annual meeting with yourself and you have to actually keep and record minutes for that meeting. And that's something you have to have in place in order to get the protection of what we call the corporate veil. So if you want the protection of that corporation, you have to follow those strict requirements for a corporation. Perfect. I'm picturing Michael Scott in the office declaring bankruptcy, like alone in a room. I declare bankruptcy. And (laughs) (laughs) so you're saying it's the kind of same deal. If you're a sole doctor, you're sole owner of your business, corporate minutes. um, Well, I'll say it differently. What you're saying is most dentists probably aren't going to take the time to actually jot down corporate minutes once a year, putting them at risk of not following the rules for a PC, which can create some legal headaches. Is that correct? That is exactly right. Yes. And frankly, most, most dentists aren't going to do that. And that is where you can get in trouble down the road if you get sued. Okay. All right. So let's move on to LLC slash PLC. Before we do, there is a big, huge group of dentists out there that should just kind of fast forward right through this. They live in one, I think it is the most populated state in the country, and they have to choose PC, right? So talk to me a little bit about California doctors and PC. Yes, if you're in California, you cannot set your entity up. You can't set your dental practice up as an LLC or a PLLC. So you have to choose professional corporation. California is notorious for that. So if you are in California, this will not apply to you. Okay. All right. We'll call Ashley if you want to know why. And, um, but that'd be interesting sometimes. So let's talk LLC and PLLC. First thing, and I get this question a lot, Ashley, what the heck is the difference between the, the, the two options? What's with the P in PLLC and how's that different? So the P stands for professional. So, you know, as you know, dentists, lawyers, accountants will generally use a PLLC if your state recognizes PLLCs. So like I said, an LLC is a a newer entity. It was created within the last 20 years. And as, as states realized, hey, we have these dentists and doctors and lawyers and other professionals that want the flexibility of an LLC, but because they're professionals, there has to be some type of regulation there that certain states recognize a PLLC. And so frankly, it's the same thing. It's just some states recognize a PLLC and some don't. Okay. I like your take. You're, you're more generous than me. My take is the only people that run for state office and write the laws generally are doctors, lawyers, accountants, and engineers. And so they wanted to make themselves feel special. And that's why they have P in front of the LLC. Okay. Well, but you I know, like your take better. 
we professionals have really big egos. So <laughs> we, all right, well, you're a lawyer, I'm an accountant and we're talking to Dennis. So I guess all three, you know, we, we all have big egos, but, um, all right. So talk to me about what an LLC or, or uh, we're going to, let's just shorten it. Agreed. Agree right now. We're going to ignore P right now for PLLC. We're going to say LLC, uh, even though in some States you may choose PLLC. What is it? What are the pros and cons? Okay. So an LLC is a limited liability company. And essentially what that means is your personal liability will be limited as long as you follow the rules for your LLC. So it provides the same kind of personal protection that a corporation does, but without all of the hassle and requirements that a corporation has. So if you get sued, you can't get sued personally. So your your home isn't on the line and your personal assets aren't on the line. Um, you don't get that kind of protection with the sole proprietorship or even um, like partnerships, like a general partnership or an LP. So if you are going to enter into a partnership, it's still better to do it as an LLC rather than an LP or GP in most situations. Again, it depends on your state. And I think it's really important at the outset to say each state is a little bit different. And so, you know, I, I have created entities in almost every state in the nation and know the state statues and what's allowed and what isn't. So this might not apply to your state. So it's really important to understand that. Um, But you do get a lot of flexibility with the LLC and you get a lot of tax benefits with an LLC um, that you can get with a corporation as well. And we can talk a little bit about about that. Um, Some downfalls to an LLC is that not all states allow the dentist to be an LLC. So you might have to be a PC like we talked about in California. And if you do not elect S corp status in some situations, the uh, dentist Medicare and self-employment tax liability can't be capped at the self-employment income. So we should also talk about the S corp tax election if you choose to form as an LLC. Yep. Perfect. Okay. So before we do that, um, and, and this had my head spinning as an accountant for a little while, so I don't, ma- don't imagine too many dentists picked up all the subtleties there. Let me just repeat back what I think I heard you say. LLC separates my personal from my business liability. I have to follow the rules. And did you tell me what the rules are? What are some of the rules I need to follow? Really? They're, the rules are pretty simple. You have to have the right documentation in place and don't commingle your personal assets and your business assets. And frankly, if you do that, you're generally protected, but you just need to treat your business as your business and not as part of your personal assets. I got it. Okay. And then just to go the one layer deeper, and we're going to get more into this here in a second. If you want the tax benefits of an LLC, there's an extra step you have to take. And this is my domain. You have to choose S corp status as an LLC. And this is, so this gets confusing, right, Ashley, because S corp is an option in some States, right? You said, well, you could choose PC, you can choose LLC in some States. Can't you choose S corp as a third option? Well, it's, I'm glad you asked that because a lot of people think that an S corp is an entity, but it's, it is not an entity. It's a tax status. And so you have to, you have to form as an entity first. So you have to form as, you know, let's say PC and LLC, which are the most common entities. So you form as the entity first, and then it's a form that you file with the IRS that 
you can elect the S-Corp status to be treated as an S-Corp. So even if you're an LLC or even if you're a corporation, you can be treated as an S-Corp. And But it is important to know that even though it's a federal tax status, different states treat S-Corps differently. Okay. Yeah. So just to keep it simple for now, when I register my entity, I'm going to choose probably, unless I'm in California, I'm going to choose LLC. And anytime I check a box on a form, they're going to ask, there's going to be a bunch of different options, right? Are you a sole proprietor? Are you a PC? Are you an LLC? Are you an S-Corp? You're saying almost every dentist listening to this podcast is going to check the box for LLC. They are an LLC. However, when they file their federal tax form, their 1120S, they're, they're telling the IRS, hey, yeah, I'm an LLC, but I want you to tax me as if I'm an S-Corp. Correct. Yes. And okay. you're the accountant. You can say that much more eloquently than I could, but okay. absolutely. Okay. Yep. And so we're going to, there are some tax benefits. We can get into those in a, in a different episode. Let's get past those for now. Um, Ashley, briefly touch on some of the partnership options, and then I want to get into what a DBA is. Okay. So you have partnership entities like a limited partnership, a general partnership, and a limited liability partnership. Now, an LLP does offer some of the same protections that an LLC does. But here's why I don't love partnerships in most states. And in some states, this might be different. But in most states, they're con- the partnerships are controlled by your state's partnership statute. And frankly, most of the partnership statutes aren't drafted very well in case there is a dispute in your partnership. And if there is a dispute and you need to, and the partnership needs to get divorced, you know, you're divorcing your business partner, you have to go, you have to do it based on your state statute. And most of the time it's kind of painful and very cumbersome. So this is why I don't love partnership entities except for in very limited cases. Okay. Got it. Thank you. That's helpful. All right. A question I get a lot is what should I name my business, which brings us to DBAs. So DBA stands for doing business as, and maybe the right way to start this topic actually is to ask the question this way. Why do so many dentists name their business Ashley Smith DDS LLC? What's up with that? Well, it's probably because they are required to by you know, their, their state dental board or their state statute. And so each state has different requirements for naming a dental practice. And so in most cases, your state likes you to have your name in, you know, in your LLC name. So you'll have John Smith DMD LLC, but you don't, you might not want John Smith DMD LLC on your signage. And so you'll have something like Florida smiles. Um, I just, I just got back from a vacation in Florida. So I'm, my brain's still kind of there, (laughs) but um, so if you want to operate under a different name, you, you can in most States. So, but you have to have your actual required name registered with the state. And so you have to set up a separate trade name or fictitious name or DBA and and each state might call it something different, but it essentially just means, hey, I am John Smith DMD PLLC, but I'm putting myself out there as Florida Smiles, and you have to get permission to do that from your state. Okay. 
And I've been telling Dennis there are two advantages to this. I want you, Ashley, to tell me if I've got this right and if I'm missing any. The two advantages that I know of are, first, like you said, you can name your business whatever creative thing you want, and you can create your signage, and people can write you checks with either option. They could write Brian Hanks DDS LLC, or they can write uh, Sweet Spirit Smiles Co., and I can cash both of those checks at my bank. Correct. Okay, so that's advantage number one. Advantage number two is, all right, I just realized that Sweet Spirit Smiles Co. is a crappy name, and I want to change it. That process of changing a DBA is a lot simpler than changing the actual legal name of the company, correct? Correct. And if, you know, if at some point down the road you want to sell the practice and you want to sell that DBA with it, you can go and operate under another DBA, but you still have your entity set up with the state. Cool. Okay, perfect. Um, All right. I think I get it. That makes sense. Anything else you want to say about S-Corps at all? I mean, we talked about what an S-Corp is relative to an LLC. Well, I think it's really important to understand, you know, sometimes I'll have clients or potential clients call me and they say immediately that they want to register, you know, or they they want to elect S-Corp status. But it's really important to understand the state ramifications. And if your state is going to tax your S-Corp differently than, than, you know, the federal government is. So it's really important to talk to your attorney and your accountant both and, and understand any ramifications that might occur if you do elect escort status. Got it. I agree. Uh, some CPAs, by the way, will have their clients hold off for one year on electing escort status to take advantage of some, some loss rules, some depreciation rules, et cetera, uh, based on the timing of when their deals close. Uh, so what Ashley's saying in terms of talking to both your lawyer and accountant is really important. Um, so I would say for most dentists listening to this phone call or this podcast, they will get their, they'll open their business entity with someone like you. They will know that they probably need to choose S corp status on the tax form, but they're probably going to do that after they're running their business and they've closed and they're, they're the boss and they're going to work with their full-time CPA to figure that out. Correct. Yes. And I always provide my clients with the form. So, so they have it, but yes, that's generally what's going to happen. All right, Ashley, I've got two last questions for you. You got to slip them in under the time wire. Question number one is, I know Ashley, you're going to charge me to, to help me set up my entity. Can't I just go on legal zoom and do it and save some money? You can never, ever go on legal zoom. Ever. That's the, if there is any rule that anyone listening understands, do not ever use legal zoom. But in reality, here's what happens. Yes, you can go and form your own entity through legal zoom. If you know what you're doing, the problem is you don't know what you don't know. If, if you know, if you've never formed an entity before and because there are, there are certain state specific requirements. Legal Zoom is not a lawyer. They're not going to tell you what you can or can't do. All they're doing is allowing you to fill in blanks and they're filing the paperwork for you. And you just have to hope that you've done it correctly. Also, you know, you, you might not have an operating agreement that is dental specific to you. And there are some situations where that can really matter. So it's important to have an attorney, unless you know what you're doing and you're confident in your abilities and I would say maybe in a number of cases that that is true. But unless you really know what you're doing, it's better to just have 
an attorney do it for you, especially if you're already going to hire an attorney to help with your dental transition. For me, the cost of the entity is rolled into my fees. So, and what would the price be, difference be if you if I told you, yeah, well, I've already got an entity open, Ashley. Are you going to knock five thousand dollars off your co- like? How much are we talking? It's honestly about it's in between. Depending on the state, it's in between about five and seven hundred dollars. Total or how much you would knock that, off? Your- that's how much I would knock off. That's how, that's about how much it costs to do the entity okay. is somewhere yeah. between, you know, well, let's say, let's say 500 and a thousand because some states have a lot higher registration fee. Okay. And you're wrapping in the, the costs of the state to do yes. that. Legal Zoom is yeah. going to charge you too. So the, the real cost savings isn't 500 bucks. It's less than that. Correct. Yes. Got it. Okay. Yep. I'm with you. All right. Yeah. Um, I probably am not giving this enough time. Um, and you touched on this a little bit, but no matter what entity I select, the reason I'm selecting that is to protect my personal assets. Give me just 60 more seconds on what that means, like logistic. I know you've been involved in litigation. I know you've sued, you've protected others from being sued. Like practically speaking, what does this mean? And what do dentists that are at this stage of their career really need to know? Okay. It's, it's really actually very simple. If you have an entity and you get, and it's an LLC or a PC, one that can protect you, um, and you get sued, you know, a malpractice claim or whatever it is, you get sued and you lose. And so the plaintiff gets a judgment against you, which means you now owe them money. If your LLC, your business doesn't have the money to cover that judgment, and you haven't protected your yourself, they can go after your home. So they could put a lien on your home, they could put a judgment lien on your home, and you couldn't lose your personal assets. And I've seen it happen. So as long as you just follow the rules, get the right entity, you're not going to have that happen to you. And the, as an accountant, I would say the one major rule to follow is just be careful about what you pull out your personal credit card for and your corporate credit card for. Is there more to it, Ashley? I know that's that's an accountant-centric answer. There's got to be more legal nuance to it than that. Yeah, and and honestly, that's the main thing. If if a plaintiff can show that you have commingled your personal assets and your business assets, they can pierce that corporate veil, or you don't get that limited liability protection. So it's very important to never commingle your assets and always treat your entity as a separate entity, and then also have the proper documentation in place. This is why LegalZoom is not the best option because you need to have a good operating, a well-drafted operating agreement or bylaws if you're a corporation and make sure that those agreements actually protect your personal assets. Got it. And piercing the corporate veil is if, if you, Ashley, sue me, Brian, well, first of all, I'm going to lose, <laughs> but <laughs> you, you get my business. And if you pierce the corporate veil, you get my house too and my car. Exactly. Right? Okay, That's exactly it. right. All right. Um, you can have my mortgage. It's all yours. Um, well, Ashley, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, we are talking about the asset purchase agreement in the next episode. Uh, stick around and we'll be back with episode six. Thank you.